Hey everyone, welcome to Impact Marketer. Today's guest is former Fortune 500 business consultant with over 15 years of global consulting experience working with the big four, recently leaving his corporate job to pursue entrepreneurship, having a decade worth of experience in career development coaching, and landing his first client within his first year of going off on his own, and being able to take them from 100K per month in revenue to 400K per week in revenue, also being a published author. Please help me in welcoming Tom Wynn. Thanks, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> Very thanks, kind of you. Yeah, thanks for coming out, Tom. Um, so on today's episode of Talk of the Day with Ronnie Hay, you know, we've been talking about mindset, but today's guest, Tom Wynn. And uh, Tom, so first question, man. What led you to quitting being a consultant? You know, it's funny. Um, I quit multiple times. <laughs> uh, so, you know, third time's the charm. Um, it was mainly due to health. It mainly gave me the, the reality check of I didn't have much time on this planet because of the health reasons. It's like, why am I beating myself up for just to get to that top spot? And I uh, always felt like I was meant to do more. And so it really forced me to quit my job. And, and you know, I had some sacrifices and losses along the way to make me realize it, that it was something that I needed to change. Because I've always been a strong believer. You talk about mindset is you keep doing the same thing, you'll get the same result. So I had to do something drastically different in order for me to have a completely different result in my life. And that's how I ended up quitting uh, nearly 19 months ago. Um, what result were you trying to get? So it's more about understanding your vision and goals of the lifestyle that you want. Um, and this could be a separate topic if, uh, later on, but I don't believe in retirement, right? I think it's something that was programmed in our system and that if you were to remove that concept of retirement, what would people do differently today, right? Mm -hmm. Would they still be working in corporate America? Would they still be working for a company for 20, 30 years? So once I realized that it wasn't chasing the, 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 the highest rank or the money, right? For me, it was more about the lifestyle. I, I, I didn't sit down and really think about what kind of lifestyle do I really want? And I realized I want a remote lifestyle. I want to have, you know, uh, location independence. I want to have a certain fulfillment. What I say? What does that mean? Impacting people, not just businesses. I'm very I like to see the tangible benefit of seeing people get results, which could be their small businesses, but it's almost like having that sense of appreciation that I can make a direct impact versus helping a big Fortune 500 company. Great on news and everything else, but no one sees it, right? The work that you do behind the scenes. So I think that's what led to me saying, how do I, how can I create that lifestyle? And I've always carried those three things with me. Every decision I make, projects or clients, is, like, is this going to provide me a remote location or location independent, remote lifestyle, and am I making a direct impact? And as long as I have to fulfill those three things, I know it's the right decision to take. Right. You, you mentioned quitting multiple times. Why was it not just once? So the very first time I was burnt out, and this is really funny, I got burnt out after four years of consulting. Um, the moment my uncle proposed a business idea and he pitched me an idea, I didn't hesitate. I was so burnt out. And mind you, I was only like 26 years old this time, burnt out, right? Something wrong. I remember he was talking to me at the hotel room and said, you have bags on your eyes. Like you shouldn't have had bags on your eyes at this, at this age. Right. And so, um, I didn't hesitate. I quit right away to say, Hey, can I take what I've learned consulting in four or five years? And can I really stand this business up? Can I, I really want to test myself? Can I take this skill set and build it? 
And that was the first time I actually had a taste of entrepreneurship and proved that I could do it. Uh, unfortunately, I did it completely free. A lesson I learned as a young person working for family, help him build his business from ground up, 90% of his business, in a completely di different industry. Um, it just proves that it doesn't matter about what niche or industry you're in, is that as long as you have the, the, the ability and the pers perseverance to do the work and plan it strategically about how, you know, what kind of services you're offering and everything else, and put the processes in place, it's the same model in any business, as long as you have a sense of passion in what you're doing. And then what I learned was I, was I was having a passion to work directly with some of these clients. I literally was going in, this was manufacturing by the way, so it's more engineering, he's an engineer, but he, was, he had no consulting experience, no sales experience, and I was only 26 year, years old. And I was still going in with some you know, VPs and executives and directors, pitching and selling his services and building our brand building your website, all these systems that I had to go put in place so that way we can service these customers. And uh, that, that's when it really uh, made, me, made me realize that, man, I really enjoy that part of the business. But I, was, I had a home at that young age, and, and during the market it was crashing, I was gonna lose it. I was gonna foreclose on it. So I had, we, had, we basically diverted because he didn't feel like it was worth me losing my home and foreclose it, damaged my entire credit history and home for this business. That was lesson one. So that's why I came back to consulting. That's why the first time, if it wasn't for that financial burden or that mistake, which is why, totally separate topic, why you shouldn't buy a house when you're young, because you're limiting your, your ability to take more risk. So that was my very first life lesson. Because I always ask myself, what if I stayed a little bit longer? Where would I be today with, with this business? So If you weren't um, tied you didn't have the house. Right. Now, some would say and argue that maybe it was worth losing the house, losing the money, taking a hit on your credit, if you truly believe in that business. And I said, yeah, that's very true, except that it was my business idea. It was my uncle's, right? But I took pride because I built it. He still runs that business today. That's what's amazing about it. Wow. Yeah. So. And you never got a cut from anything? <clears throat> no, not a single dime. Did you have that conversation? With family, it's difficult. Uh, I think it's one of those hidden mes messages, you know, that we kind of understand that he knows that I won't go back because it was such a um, poor experience, a poor relationship when you mm -hmm. mix family and business together. Because there were several times we butted heads. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so I think most people struggle going out and doing something entrepreneurial. Did you have any self-doubt in that moment? <clears throat> or were you just so burnt out, you're just like, I'm just going for it. so burnt out, went with it. And I was financially responsible, right? I knew I was young, I could take more risk. And um, I, I set aside money. You know, when consulting afforded me a certain lifestyle, you know, I was traveling so much, I wasn't spending much money, I was smart with it. Um, and so I knew how long I could last, I knew my risk profile, and I didn't hesitate because I was like, I'm young. I could, I can always get my job back and figure it out. I have a good solid four or five years of consulting experience, no problem. And I've proven that because literally after we decided to leave that business, I got my job back in a month. I literally just called them up. They took me back. And as well as other offers too, because that's the value of some of the experience I gained from consulting. Like they say you work in dog years in consulting, so like four or five years of consulting is like 10 years in the industry because of the accelerated growth and learning that you have. So 
Interesting. Um, okay, so how many times since then have you quit? Two more times. Two more times. Mm -hmm. What about the second time? Every four, three, four, every four years, I I quit because <laughs> it seems that I would get burned out. Um, <clears throat> the second time actually was because my father got sick, and I just left completely for an entire year. Um, so that was a different different scenario, not necessarily okay. an entrepreneur thing, but that was more of a, a personal decision to step away. Yeah. <coughs> so, are you gonna go back this time? No. So when I when I this was at the peak of my career. Um, and you know, I've been in the field for 15 years and I've seen those patterns in the past. Like every time I quit, came back, quit, came back, I got the same result and mm -hmm. ended up leaving anyways. And I'm always asking myself why. So what I've done was I told myself I will officially retire from this field and commit to myself, keep myself accountable to never ever go back. That's my motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, and to prove to the people that I left that I can rebuild my, my career and make the same income, if not more, and prove to them that it can be done no matter what age. Because I got a lot older, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to say, you know, it, it can be done. That's, that's my motivation. Not only, you know, the whole goals I had with my vision and my lifestyle, my other thing was to really inspire and help people in my same situation has been in the field long enough to prove to them that, hey, it's never too late. My goal is to come back and say, if I could do it, you could do it. I'm no one special just because I wanted that lifestyle more than anything. You seem to have always had this long-term vision in business, right? Mm -hmm. What mindset did you have as a young consultant? Because all my consultant friends that are young, they just blow their money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what different mindset did you have? I think it was, uh, it's, it's always comes down to upbringing and your relationship with money. Um, so... <laughs> You know, my family uh, has always drilled in our heads that, you know, because we were first-generation Vietnamese, right? They built everything from ground up, so we know that. Uh, extremely poor upbringing, and it was just ingrained in my head, and my mom was saying, it's so hard to earn the money, but so easy to spend it. You need to learn to protect it. And she immediately taught us financial independence or financial literacy when I was like 10, 11 years old. When we had a balance and checkbook or my first experience of interest put leaving money in there you know the bank's interest sucks but at that age making five cents was a big deal right <laughs> like wow it's growing right i didn't do anything it's growing it's like you start to understand those concepts of being financially responsible so it had a lot to do with my upbringing but it has it's you know consequences to that all i knew how to do with money was save and invest save and invest not really thinking about why why do I need to do that? Um, and where to put it? And then that's when I got a little bit more wiser about not living in the bank, invest, or having a, a goal or a vision, a much bigger picture of why I'm working. Like, there's a reason why, because I never really wanted to work. I just fell into that traditional path that Asian parents wanted to have. I was living their kind of life, because mm -hmm. they value education, they value jobs, especially when you're first generation Vietnamese coming to America, they wish they had that. But um, we were given that opportunity, but it's more, you know, taught in a way where that's the life that they believe is safe, right? Mm -hmm. And but not really necessarily the the non traditional path. With I always ask the question, why? Why do I have to go to work? Mm -hmm. Why are we working, right? Um, so once I made that correction, then that's when I how my relationship with money changed. Was there an initial catalyst <coughs> that started you to asking why? Yeah. 
the first before I quit, the first four years, I was I was working, and the advantage of consulting was during an entire week when you're traveling, you don't get to spend a single dime, and all your expenses are paid. I was saving literally ninety percent of my income. <laughs> I didn't have an apartment. Mm-hmm. I was traveling so much, I didn't spend any of my money, and it was really easy to save. But I was so busy, it was just starting to grow. I mean, I literally started from college with no money. Like I was, I barely had money for my first month's rent or my next month's rent. I was dependent on that first paycheck when I first started. So it's funny to look back now. Um, but knowing that it was just automatic, I was just working. I was like, why am I working? I don't spend any of my money. Everything. So what ended up happening? I thought the, I thought the next best best thing was to buy a house. <laughs> so at age 24, I bought a house. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ask myself why. It just felt. Like that was a logical next financial decision. No one taught me that. So it just thought that's the that's the next step of the American dream: buy a house, buy a car, family, kids, whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Without realizing if that's really my big picture. So that's when I learned from that mistake. I was actually unhappy about it. And when I got my keys and lived in the house, I'm like, "Why well, am I supposed to do with this now? I'm never home." Yeah. And literally for two years, that home stayed empty. I never furnished it because I was always traveling. Wow. And uh, I used to sleep in the sleeping bag, and my parents bought me for my birthday a bed. <laughs> <laughs> they said you are a professional why are you sleeping on the floor still yeah. I'm like well you know five six days of the week I'm gone I'm okay to sleep on the floor for a day or two because yeah. I'm in a nice hotel room and a, you know so I was very like uh, very uh, low maintenance I didn't have a lot of demands a very simple lifestyle again it goes back to why am I working right and it goes back to your lifestyle that you desire. everyone's lifestyle is different some has a higher standard of living type of lifestyle and some are low really simple right so I think it's really important with now when I help coach and help with career development with a lot of the um, students I used to work with is really, you don't have to have a, a complete answer, but generally think about what kind of life you want, right? And then reverse engineering. Mm-hmm. That way, is that buying a house at this location makes sense? Is this the place, you know what I mean? All those type of things, mm-hmm. so. Interesting. So we, we, we kind of talked about like all the bad. <laughs> <laughs> of being a consultant has done for you but like you were a consultant for 15 years so from 0 to 15 like what kind of mindset shifts or transformations did you undergo a lot (laughs) a lot um believe it or not like I I was extremely introverted um I was I started off as a developer uh and I just immersed in my cubicle uh, and my interaction with people wasn't great right um my first major transformation was I see all these people going to meetings. I thought they were important people. I'm stuck in this cubicle. I want to be that. They seem important. And then you start to learn to overcome that hurdle of being an introvert and be able to go in a client meeting, interact with people, talk. Um, I wasn't well spoken at all. Like you're just nervous. You just you know all those type of things. It's more about that that developing the communication and the presentation and interacting with people. So that was my big first big hurdle. So I went from a developer to say a business analyst, where I was more in front of the client, breaking down requirements and explaining things. Right? I was no longer really coding, even though I had a technical background. It all ties into place. And eventually, I got away from IT and said, I want to do more business delivery. I want to do more project management. And each time I make these trend, uh, transformational changes personally from my development, my performance dropped because I was learning. So it was always drop and then exceeded, right? Drop and exceeded. I remember I was at the brink of having a performance improvement plan, which is like almost borderline getting fired if you don't improve. Because it's such a huge hurdle for me to go from 
an IT background to be a project manager, delivery, business delivery, you know, or account manager, whatever it is, it was a huge hurdle. I didn't know how to manage people or teams. So that's how I developed that. So you, in consulting, you develop, it's like on the job, paid on the job learning because they always put you at a higher standard. They always put you on, on goals and in personal development and self-improvement constantly because you're constantly being evaluated every quarter. Um, and so you're always improving. You're always looking at your weaknesses and improve on it. And so it's just, in this course of 15 years, it's basically the end result of what you see today. Um, it becomes more natural in nature uh, in your ability. You kind of forget where you were. So I always also have to remind people that you kind of have to look back and pay attention to how far you came. You yeah. know, the destination may seem really far, but you got to look back sometimes. Mm. And what was your step-by-step -step process for one of those transition periods? So the first one is mentally preparing that, is this, is this a step forward first? Is this the transformation I need to do? Like, where do I want to go? It goes back to that vision again. Like, I want to be, I, honestly, my biggest driver was to break the bamboo ceiling. When I first learned about that concept of the bamboo ceiling, I wanted to prove that concept wrong. It's like, can I be an executive? Can I be a leader at a, at a consulting company, a big part, right? Consulting company. How am I supposed to get there? So I started to observe and the qualities and skills. As long as I knew that was the path, I knew I had to do this. So you have to be mentally prepared to make that sacrifice that once you make that leap, you'll be very uncomfortable, your performance will suffer, your pay might even suffer as a result of it. So that's the first one that I had to make sure that is this the right step forward? Is it worth that hit, that sacrifice? Once it's like yes, then I was, you had to be coachable. Once I got into it, I admit all faults. I'll mm. own everything. And you rely on your mentors or coaches in the firm or whoever's helping you out and constant feedback. Then you have to be really good about taking in constructive feedback and applying and then trying. And that's how I overcome them. It's just like entrepreneurship in a way where you're trying, you're learning, you're failing as fast as you can, take the feedback, don't ask questions, just do it. And eventually you start to develop what works yeah. and then you start to master it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you move on to the next thing. For the listeners that don't know, what is the bamboo ceiling? Yeah, so the bamboo ceiling is for the Asian culture, right? Is that in corporate America, how many Asian C-level executives do you see, right? Executive positions in any corporation. You know, the typical stereotype is very tall, powerful white men or women, right? So it's hard to take, you know, and it's just the reality of the world that we live in, right? To take orders from someone who's like, say, much shorter and our cultural, you know, uh, upbringing about respecting you know, the hierarchy, we're very good workers, right? We don't question our leaders, right? So to take that uh, and overcome those hurdles of take away those biases and perceptions and prove that you can do the same thing no matter what your profile is, um, that's always been a challenge where the reason why they don't want to promote you because you're such a good worker. They don't really respect you as a leader quite yet. Mm -hmm. So there's always some personal bias when it comes to Asian culture. In fact, I actually talked to another entrepreneur about this. He used to be in consulting, quit, and now he owns a bunch of franchises. But he he gave two experiences where that happened. He was really good at what he did. He climbed the ladder, but he was really good at this one thing. And he, he remembers it during a client meeting, a client dinner, I'm sorry. He went to a dinner, and it was with the clients, and the client praised him in front of the partners, you know, his 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 uh and from his company and said, you got to give this guy a promotion. Like it was just a casual conversation. And, and literally the partner says, I would love to, but you know what? He's so good at what he does. 
I don't have anyone to replace him. So basically, he told him subconsciously, I can't promote him. Yeah. Because he can't be replaced. He's so good at what he does. Mm -hmm. So it's unfair, right? And it happened twice to him in two different companies. So <clears throat> is that really an Asian thing, Joe? Because for me, when I've seen workplace politics, that's always the case. And I've always known that subconsciously. And I tell my coworkers, hey, don't be too good at this job. Just be good enough where you can move up. For well, there's, there's a careful balance, right? So I got good at what I did. But it's more about working your way and gaining that respect, that perception, right? Because a lot of times, they just don't feel like mm -hmm. you can perform at that level from an executive level position. It's more like earn, like how to go about it. And this could be a whole topic we can discuss. But like how to really overcome that, right? Those ranks. And I mean, I got to a point where... <clears throat> When you're going in there, it's more about getting out of the, I want to say that Asians are timid, you know, and, and they, they don't like questioning authority, mm -hmm. right? That's part of the overcome from our culture, right? That respect is, and I got to the situation in, in my career where now I can challenge some of these power hitters, leaders in the room and ask them why it needs to be that or why it needs to be done this way or why does my team have to work this weekend? It's more yeah. an authoritative position, but... It came with a track record of results. Yeah. They know what I was good at. They take whatever comes out of your mouth more seriously. Yeah. But just because you have a track record, but if you don't speak for it, they're not going to respect you. You become a pushover. Yeah. You become the guy that will give you work and you'll get it done. Until you start to push back is when you start to gain more respect. And that's just how the world works. 100%. Right? And so that's, that's, that's really the whole journey of that process. But... Um, a lot of people don't realize it, that you that you have to do that. And that's a cultural barrier that you have to kind of overcome. Yeah. No, I've definitely talked to a lot of my friends about what I call expressing your value because mm -hmm. no one is going to assume that this is your value until you express yeah. it. Um, man, this has been a great episode. It's way longer than I expected. And I want to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I love it. But thanks so much, Tom, for this talk of the day episode. Yeah, awesome. It.